everybody, it's Jay. Welcome to another episode of Things I Should Have Said. I just got off of stage. We are going through a series at our church, Friends Church in Orange, about sanctification. It is a book study through the book of Ephesians. And so as we talk about sanctification, which is basically the process God takes us through to look more and more like Jesus every day, uh, it is a very philosophical concept. But we are now in chapter four, where Paul makes a shift from the philosophical idea and theological idea of sanctification to the really nitty gritty, like this is how we are sanctified. And so uh, today, and really I'm going to talk about last week as well, because I was traveling last week. um, And so I'm going to combine these both together. Uh, We've been talking about how God builds us up. That's part of our sanctification. He is in the process of building us up. And then he expects us as we're being built up to build others up, um, both the people around us and we're given different spiritual gifts and we are to use those to build up the churches that we attend, that we are a part of. And so it has been a fun couple messages because I get to talk a lot about purpose I get to talk a lot about um, calling and how important it is for us to be there for one another, to be able to lean on one another, to lift each other up. And so there's a great sense, I can tell in the room as I'm talking about these things, that people are with me. People know that the world right now is badly divided. They, it's just burning with rage. And so there needs to be something different. And Jesus has that to offer. He offers peace. He offers compassion, kindness, forgiveness. And so as we then reflect his image to the world, uh, people are attracted to that. Um, And so uh, there's a couple things that I should have said in uh, these last two messages. But before I get to that, I want to talk about uh, something I got a chance to do in the last two weeks and something that I missed out on in the last week. So with that... Two weeks ago, I got the opportunity to do something that was terrifying. I got invited to speak at my daughter's preschool chapel. So that freaks me out. And uh, some people think it's, it's silly. Uh, but for me, honestly, it created quite a bit of stress in my life. As I was thinking about what I was going to talk about uh, in my 10 minutes with a handful of preschoolers, I had no idea what to talk about. And I realized... I don't understand developmentally where these kids are at, how to get uh, concepts across to them. And so I asked my children's pastor to give me some lessons, and uh, he did. He, he sent that my way. And even as I was looking at that, I was thinking, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. I don't know. I don't know. And I came into the preschool chapel, and I was already sweating. And by the time I left, I had those big old pit rings leaving. And I knew, man, this freaks me out. And I think I did okay. I didn't do great. There was one moment of concern where I was talking about uh, Jesus in the desert and his temptation. Why I'm talking about that to uh, four-year-olds, I don't know, but I that's what I chose to because that's what my children's pastor sent me. And so I'm talking about it. And when I said, and then the devil came, 
all of the preschool teachers like snap their head towards me. Like we don't say devil here. Now I don't know if they don't say devil at this Christian preschool or not, but the way they looked at me, I thought, uh Oh, I was not supposed to say that word. Maybe they've all decided that it's better to say Satan or the enemy. I have no idea. Or maybe we just don't talk about that yet. But all I know about my daughter is she loves stories because she loves villains. Anytime I tell her a story, when I, when the villain shows up, that's when she lights up. So I definitely threw Satan into this one, and the teachers were not happy with me. But the kids perked up a little bit, and so I'm glad for that. Uh, I tried. There's uh, parents in the room as well, and so I tried to at the end level with them and speak to them because I'm more comfortable speaking to adults. And so we were talking about fruit and uh, the fruit of patience, and I just I. I looked at the parents and I said, hey, we all know that on a tree, the last thing to develop is the fruit. The trunk grows up, the branches grow out, the leaves come, and then the very last thing is fruit. And so as we're raising our kids, let's make sure that we're tending to the soil and being patient for the fruit to come out. Now that's easier said than done. I've got a toddler and sometimes I can lose my cool very easily. But anyway, I I wrapped up uh, wrapped up the little preschool chapel and couldn't wait to get out of there sweating it. I would be speaking later that week at the same church. It's a mega church, thousands of adults, and I was way less stressed about speaking to the thousands of adults than the little preschoolers. So I felt pretty good about myself leaving there that I conquered my fear that I was willing to do it. I saw another pastor on the way out and he told me that he always turns down the request to come speak to preschool students. And I think that's lame. I think we should, we should definitely uh, take up that challenge, even though we're not very good at it. Uh, but it did make me really respect all of the preschool teachers and administrators and their ability to uh, teach kids and to form young minds. So way to go to all of you out there that are able to do that. I have some growing in that area, um, but I felt good that I, that I took up that challenge, but uh, I wasn't feeling so great the next week. So the next week, I had the opportunity, same time slot, instead of preschool chapel, there was a preschool trikathon where preschoolers, little four-year-olds, get on tricycles and do as many laps as they can around the playground, and they have raised money, and uh, people sponsor them to take laps around the, uh, the little playground. And so my wife went at the end of, of uh, the first week, and then I mentioned to her just in passing, oh, hey, I'm going to try and go to our daughter's uh, on Monday. And she said, oh, that's great. It's this time. And then we just went about it. And I ended up getting busy. I didn't go. I'm sure I'm not the only parent that's ever done this, but uh, my daughter had overheard me tell my wife that I was going to go to the trikathon. I didn't know that she overheard me. And so she was expecting me to be there. And when I wasn't there, it was very disappointing. And so when my wife went to pick her up after school, she said that the first thing that our daughter said was, where was dad? He said he was going to be at, at my trikathon. And then I don't know if my wife's making this up just to twist the dagger, but then my daughter said, I wanted him to be there because I love him. Oh my goodness. Oh, oh. Everything that you hear about being a dad is all about being present 
following through on your promises, and I failed at this. And now I didn't know that she heard me, but I'm just trying to make excuses. I should have been at the trikathon. It was a very simple thing. I could have made it. It, uh, I didn't think it was a huge deal, but obviously it was a huge deal to her. And so this was lesson learned. I did not feel great about myself in that moment. So all that to say, in this past week or two, I've had moments where I've felt really good about myself, moments where I haven't felt great. So if you're with me, if you've had moments where you just were a shining star, good for you. If uh, you had a moment where you're a falling, falling star, I'm right there with you. But let's go on. So stepping off the stage, I felt like I had done a great job at empowering people to realize that Jesus has given us all spiritual gifts. We all matter. And it takes all of us working in unison, all of us using our spiritual gifts in the body of Christ, in our church, to be able to reach our full potential, to help people find Jesus the best. We all need to be uh, contributing to the work. This 80-20 uh, phenomenon that happens in the world where uh, 20% of people are doing 80% of the work. That should not be the case in the church. And as I talked about this, I, I felt like I wasn't coming across as a guilt trip, but it was very empowering. And then I got off of stage and I realized that I neglected to confront one topic that is my pet peeve. All I talked about in my message was serving in the church. Hey, God's given you spiritual gifts, and so you should use them in the church, in the church, in the church. I didn't talk at all about using your spiritual gifts in your community, outside of the church. So some people's spiritual gifts are more suited to working in the community. Or maybe in their local church right now, there's just not a need for it. But there is a need in their community. And that is just as valid as a way to exercise that spiritual gift. But what I did is by not including that, there are people in my church that are serving in their community, but aren't serving in the church. And I made them feel like they should be doing double duty, that they should be serving both in the community and the church. And if they're not serving in the church, they're not doing a good job. And I hate that. That is the type of guilt trip that I don't want to lay on my congregation that if I was sitting in the seats and some pastor was talking about serving and he was talking about serving in the church, I would have all these objections of like, well, what about the community? What about in our, in our workplaces? What about in our schools? And yet, uh, it just slipped my mind completely. Even in my preparation, I didn't put it in my preparation. I didn't think about it. Somehow, I was just moving fast enough this week that uh, didn't cross my mind until that moment that I stepped off of stage. And so I want to say to those of you that attend Friends Church in Orange or you attend any church and you are serving in your community, good for you. God has given you spiritual gifts. You are exercising those. That is your purpose. Get after it. Stay after it. And we need people serving not just in the four walls of the church, but outside of the four walls. And uh, rightly so, you might even be able to say we need people serving outside the four walls even more, if not equal to those serving within the walls. So whatever your spiritual gifts may be, look for the needs around you and see where you can put those into play. If your church has a need and the spiritual giftings that God has given you match that, please, 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 please volunteer in your church. But also look in the community around you. 
Look in your neighborhood. Look into the, the lives of your friends and team members. And if there's a need there, please serve there as well. Because the uh, church does not exist just to serve itself. The church exists to serve the world. And so we start by serving in the church, but it's got to go beyond that. So anyway, forgive me for uh, not mentioning that in my message, but that's why this podcast is so good for me, because now I can feel a little free to go forward. Now, there was another thing in my message today that I didn't get to that I knew I wasn't going to be able to get to because of time, and so I wanted to also discuss that a bit here. Uh, Today, we talked about how we are being built up by God by building others up talked about how we are not just to put up with one another, but we are to build up one another. And through the empowerment of the Spirit of God, we are able to speak truth into people's lives and see things in them that they they can't see in themselves and speak truth over them and build them up um, in their their character and their sense of self-worth and self-esteem. But as I was talking about this, I got off on a construction metaphor and everything kind of wrapped around this construction metaphor, which makes sense talking about how God builds us up. And so I talked about uh, construction being a great metaphor for sanctification, that when we are um, when we are putting our faith into Jesus, he puts his spirit into us and the spirit takes residence in our hearts and then he gets to work and starts renovating and as we put our faith into Jesus, uh, he includes us in Christ. And so just like at a construction zone, uh, there is a, a whole lot of mess, but there's always this construction fence that contains the mess. And then on the construction fence, there is an image of what the finished product is going to look like. When the project is all done, there's a picture on the fence of what those apartment buildings are going to look like, or the business complex is going to look like, or the coffee shop or restaurant, whatever. You get to see a picture so that as you walk by, you see all of the mess behind the fence but you can also see what it's becoming. You can see the image. And so you can get excited about what's going to be uh, built up in your neighborhood. And it's the same way with our sanctification. Spiritually, uh, God, the master builder who knows the beginning from the end, knows that we are created in the image of God, knows that we're being conformed to the image of his son. And so he takes our mess and puts a construction fence around it and puts an image on that fence that looks like Jesus. The character, priorities, uh, values, quality of Jesus, our God is going to build us into that. And so as I I talked about that building up uh, concept, what I didn't have time to talk about is how brilliant this is at defeating shame in our lives. Because oftentimes, I think I look at the mess in my life and the sin in my life and the places where I've fallen short or I'm, I'm still under construction. And I wonder if God just pretends not to see it because it, I know that because I'm justified in Christ, it's just as if I never sinned. And I think, but really, I mean, God knows, God knows the mess. So how does how does he look at me just as if I've never sinned and yet I'm sinning? Uh, How could that possibly be? And this metaphor helps me, this analogy helped me to see 
No, God is very aware of the mess. He sees the mess and he's even at work in the mess. But we are, we've got this protective fence around us with the image of who we're becoming. And so just like any builder, uh, when they see the mess behind the fence, they don't, they don't get discouraged by that mess, uh, but they see it as groundbreaking progress forward because they don't take their eye off of the end product image. And so what that allows uh, God to do is to see us for who we really are in all of the beauty and all of the uh, dysfunction Wherever we're at in our process, God can simultaneously look at the, the ugly and the beautiful and still love us because he knows where he's taking us. He knows who we are created to be. He knows that he is going to finish the job and uh, complete that in us. And so he can look at our mess and still see beauty. And it reminds me of Tim Keller's quote in his book on marriage where he says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. I thought that is what sanctification does for us. Because sometimes I feel like we can, we can make God's love feel superficial. Like we're loved, but he doesn't really know what I'm doing or he's ignoring what I'm doing at least so that he can love me. But that's not it. Uh, And we can sometimes be afraid that uh, if God really knew what I was up to, he wouldn't, he wouldn't love me anymore. And so we hide from God, but of course God is all seeing, all knowing, and yet he fully knows us and truly loves us. And that is so freeing. And so when we proclaim in church in Christ, there is freedom. I believe in his love, we are freed from shame and we are freed to move forward because anytime you're caught in shame, you're held back and you're not being built up. You're like, you're chained down. But in God's economy, because he fully knows us and fully loves us, because he knows the beginning from the end, he knows who we're becoming. We are freed from that shame so that we're freed to move forward. We are freed to be built up. And that just blows me away. And I love that about Jesus. Now, I don't know exactly how the work of sanctification comes about. I know that God uses all things for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purposes. I know that uh, we are built up as we build others up. I talked about today that uh, our muscles grow as we pick things up. And the same way our spirit grows is we lift one another up. And I think that one of the ways that we can lift one another up, that we can build one another up, is sometimes we just got to show up. Sometimes we just need to be present when it matters the most. We need to climb down into the pit that people have fallen into, and we just need to be present, empathetic with them, and lift them up in prayer. And sometimes... When our friends are going through a hard time, we just need to reach out and let them know, hey, I'm here with you and I'm for you. Sometimes there's nothing that can actually be done except being available. And So I let uh, what happened earlier this week serve as a reminder. Uh, I will make it my goal in life to be present for my daughter. Uh, whatever trikathon or jogathon or 
whatever a thon she's doing a read a thon I'm I'll be there if I tell her I'm going to be there and I don't want to just do that for my daughter although I'm making it my goal not to make that mistake again I want to do it for my church family as well when people need me the most I just want to at least be committed to show up knowing that that will build them up and I think we can all do that I think it's within each and every one of us to say to somebody that we love, you're my priority, and so I will show up. I will push off all of these things that are less than a priority because you are my ultimate priority, and I will show up. So hopefully this week, you'll be able to show up for someone, build someone up, and in doing so, you'll be built up yourself spiritually. If you'd like this episode, please help me out by leaving a review on iTunes and subscribing to this podcast and tune in every other week. Also, check out my YouTube channel for weekly inspiration to become fully alive. Stay in touch and follow me on Instagram or come visit me in person at my church. And if you'd like to hear the sermon we deconstructed today, go to friends.church. Well, there it is, the things I should have said. I'm going to need to do this again next week. Count on it.